Hello there. This is G2, and I am here to give you my Elimination Chamber review and my predictions of where we're headed off to next. I just want to make this perfectly clear right now. I did not see the pre-show, and on the pre-show, we had Rey Mysterio going against The Miz. So, Rey Mysterio beat The Miz by pinfall. I don't know how he did it, but Rey did beat The Miz. Here's the thing with the pre-show. I never really watched the pre-show stuff unless I know there's going to be like a fire matchup on the pre-show. I was not aware that Ray was going against The Miz. Even if I was, I didn't expect that match to be that good anyway. No disrespect to Ray, Legend. No disrespect to The Miz. He can turn some... He can do a great work in a ring with a great performer by his side. But again, I did not know that was pre-show match. And even if I did... I wouldn't have watched him. No disrespect to both of the wrestlers, uh, both The Miz or the legendary Rey Mysterio. Now, getting on to the beginning of the show, Elimination Saber opens up with a Universal Championship matchup between the champion, the Tribal Chief, Roman Reigns, with his in his corner, his uh, counsel, Paul Heyman, going against Goldberg. Roman Reigns would win the match by submission when Roman Reigns would reverse out of the jackhammer and turn it into the guillotine choke. And Goldberg tries to hold on for as long as he can, but Goldberg does pass out and the referee has to ring the bell. I will say for this match, it did what it was supposed to do. It didn't carry on so long, but it did give you some hard-hitting moments like uh, Roman would get hit with a spear. And then it looks like Goldberg's about to go for a jack hammer but Roman would slip out or try to like budge himself out of it and then next thing you know he'll hit Goldberg with a Superman punch he goes for the spear in the corner but as soon as he runs over to Goldberg Goldberg hits him with a spear and then that's what it set up to the end where Goldberg lifted him up but Roman got out of that and turned it into the guillotine choke and in the guillotine choke you saw Goldberg's face start turning red and even a little bit purplish and even on commentary Corey Graves even mentioned that Goldberg starting to turn a little bit pink there. So it was good. It did what it was supposed to do. Roman Reigns got the win, which everybody knew what was going to happen. And at certain points, I ain't going to front. When Goldberg hit that second spear and Reigns was down on the ground, I thought they're not seriously going to go with this. They're not going to do that because then it would have made me think at the end of the show, we're going to get Brock winning the WWE Championship at the Elimination Chamber. But they still went with Reigns. I'm happy for that. Reigns is still our universal champion. And he is now, what, day 538 day, maybe? It's 530, like late 530 uh, day reign for Roman. And he is the longest reigning champion in the last 35 years in the company. I think they forgot about Pete Dunne's, uh, Pete Dunne and Walters type of thing. But, hey, man, that's cool because the UK championship doesn't matter on the main roster. They just call a spade a spade. That's the truth. Anyway, Roman Reigns still universal champion. After this, we time for the Raw uh, Women's Elimination Chamber match where the winner will get a Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania 38. The competitors in the match were Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, Drop, Rhea Ripley, Nikki A.S.H., and Liv Morgan. Bianca would win the match by pinfall when she last uh, eliminated Alexa by hitting her with the KOD for the win. See, I was happy Bianca won this because we all know where this is headed to, where Bianca's going. We all knew that Bianca should win this. She got a lot of fanfare. People did cheer for Bianca when she came out. 
Bianca is beloved. She is literally one of the strongest competitors in the SmackDown, not SmackDown, but just in the women's division in general. And my brother that listens to music and he pops in from my room time to time, he'll watch WWE or AEW from watching it. He'll stand there and he'll watch it for a little bit. He was watching this matchup and he was seeing how strong Bianca was in this. And I said, yeah, Bianca is like the Cesaro for the women's division because you don't think Bianca Belair can lift up a person like this, but she can. She might not have the muscle definition like poking out. Like when you see somebody with a lot of muscle, you're like, okay, that person can lift it. But when you see Bianca and you see her lift somebody, you wonder how can she have that much strength? It's the exact same phrase when you see Cesaro. Cesaro is a built-up dude, but he's not like John Cena, Roman Reigns type uh, built-up, like with all jacked out with muscles out. No, he's a fit guy, but he has a ton of strength. And that's where I give Bianca. She's in that Cesaro situation, but the difference between her and Cesaro is that Bianca Belair has the charisma and a is allowed on WWE to show that charisma for her to be elevated to such a spot that the fans love her and the fans in the backstage, which are the writers and everybody else, have no other choice but to set her up in the main event position. Anyway, Bianca Belair, I was happy for her to win. So that leads us to our mania where Bianca Belair will go against the Raw Women's Champion. We will find out who the Raw Women's Champion is later on the night. After this matchup, we had Naomi and Ronda Rousey going against Charlotte Flair and Sonya Deville. And the stipulation for this matchup was Ronda Rousey had to wrestle with one arm tied behind her back. Naomi and Ronda Rousey did defeat the team of Charlotte and Sonya when Ronda, and remind you, she had her arm tied behind her back now. She had Sonya Deville on the ground and she was able to lock in the arm bar. But before she did this, she held Sonya Deville's arm and taunted Charlotte Flair to get into the ring to save Sonya. Charlotte got halfway into the ring, but she exited back out, stood right on the ring apron, and just like waved her hand at Ronda and told her, go ahead and do it. Ronda applied the armbar on Sonya Deville, and Sonya tapped out. This match, it was great. It was good for what it needed to be. Ronda Rousey came out in her gi that she wore in the 2008 Olympics when she won the bronze. They did commentate let you know what type of gear she was wearing because the women aren't allowed to wear their two-piece. They had to wear a whole uh, formal one-piece suit over there in Saudi Arabia. And I want to state this right now. Naomi had the best uh, one-piece whole suit because hers were tie-dyed and everything else, but also with the neon lights where the lights went neon and then it, like glowed on her freaking like outfit. Naomi always comes in with one of the best gear. I put her, literally, her, Bianca, or the two females that happen to have the best gear on the freaking roster. It is what it is. It's true. People can try to debate that all they want, but it's literally the truth. Naomi and Bianca Belair have the best gear on the female roster side. But, getting to the point of the matchup, it was a good match. It did what it was supposed to do. I said Charlotte and Sonya Deville was going to win because I thought we were going to lead into our... uh, WrestleMania deal where Charlotte has some momentum and now Ronda Rousey has to pick it up to try to get some momentum building to their WrestleMania match. But now they went with Naomi and Ronda Rousey beating Charlotte and Sonya Deville by submission. So I wasn't mad about this. After this matchup, we had Drew McIntyre going against Madcap Moss, who had Happy Corbin in his corner for the False Count Anywhere matchup. Drew McIntyre would win the match when he was able to go to his corner when Madcap Moss was down. And he went over to his corner. He looked at Corbin. 
and he was setting himself, he was setting up to hit the Claymore on Madcap Moss. Corbin knew what was about to happen. Corbin rushed into the ring. Drew is now over into the corner that he has his sword in. He quickly pulls it out and swings it over at Corbin, and Corbin ducks. And now you see Corbin outside the ring. And Corbin's looking at the referee, and he's flailing his arms like a big upset child and looking at her like, what? What, you allowing that? That's legal? She say, I can't do nothing about it. It's a false count anywhere. Anything goes. So now McIntyre has the sword in his hand, and he counts off the three, two, one. He keeps the sword in his hand while he Claymore kicks Moss and then pins him, and he puts his foot on Moss's chest and then points the sword at Corbin, basically let Corbin know that he's next. So that's what happened at the end of this matchup. This match was... Better than I expected it to be, to be honest with you. I knew Madcap and Drew were going to have their physical altercation, use some weaponry and all this type of stuff. They didn't use a lot of weapons because I don't know why they used a steel chair. I mean, they uh, used the barricade where um, Madcap and Corbin threw Drew through the barricade. And at one point, it looked scary for Moss at one point because when Drew McIntyre hit Moss with a reverse Alabama slam and Moss landed directly on the top of his head, it looked like he spiked himself. And usually, when that type of stuff happens, the head is connected to the neck and he could like jam his neck or almost break his neck at that moment. But Moss was fine, he was holding his head and he was still able to compete in the matchup. Moss is a real dude, I'm not even gonna try to stone with you. And I want this also to clarify, too. Ladies and gentlemen, when you watch professional wrestling, yes, things happen in the ring. You know what's going down. We all know what professional wrestling is. But you got to understand, these are trained professionals. Don't think just because, oh, they're wrestlers. They're doing this. They're not really hitting each other. No, 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 no. Listen to me. The slams are real. They're taking physical abuse to the body that people aren't supposed to do. When you really look at it and you look at the big landscape of professional wrestling, wrestling is professional wrestling is supposed to be about entertainment and storytelling and all this type of stuff but whenever they slam each other and sometimes whenever they hit each other like really hard you know what the deal is and there's no way this stuff is fake all right it's not fake it's predetermined they do make sure they're not trying to hit each other as hard as they can but the slams are real the punches are real from time to time some of them don't land some of them do land but do put a lot of respect on a lot of these wrestlers names and their body because they go through a whole lot of punishment to entertain the people watching the show i do want people to always understand that when you watch professional wrestling anyway mcintyre wins the match now happy corbin's next after this we had the raw women's championship match where becky lynch went against lita becky would win the match by pinfall but by the skin of her teeth because towards the end of the match Becky Lynch got too cocky, and she went to the top rope and tried to hit Lita with Lita's own moonsault. Lita would move out of the way. Becky would fail and hit the mat. Lita picks up Becky, hits her with a twist of fate, then goes to the top rope and hits the moonsault onto Becky. And at this point, everybody in the arena thinks that Lita has won the match. Everybody on commentary thinks Lita won the match. But as Lita is pinning Becky Lynch, Becky kicks out of it, so... At this point, Lita is now trying to lift up Becky. I don't know for to do what, but Becky was able to muster up enough energy to hit a manhandle slam 
or as the rest of the world or the public might know it as the rock bottom onto Lita to win the match. So now we're going to get Bianca Belair going against Becky Lynch at WrestleMania to end off their big rivalry that they've been having ever since after SummerSlam in 2021 when Becky Lynch came back and beat Bianca Belair in a fast wrestling matchup. Hopefully at Mania we get a nice good lengthy match between Becky and Bianca so that it will make up for that SummerSlam matchup where it could have been long. Here's the thing with it though. If they don't give Bianca Belair that win at Mania, I don't know how fans are going to react to it. There's no way that WWE could be that cross or that idiotic not to give Bianca that win at Mania. But we're just going to have to see how they creatively get themselves into it and out of it if they do do it. I don't put nothing past WWE writers and their creative team. I don't put nothing past them trying to get something out of this. But there's no way. Bianca Belair has to beat Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. Also, here's the thing, too. Lita was given a great response by the Saudi Arabia audience. They cared for Lita, as Lita should be cared for because she is a legend. And people were chanting in the match that you still got it. They were chanting for Lita. They were chanting, you suck at Becky Lynch. They were putting a lot of energy into Lita. And it was good to see this because, again, if you were not around one, if you're new to professional wrestling, or two, if you haven't watched professional wrestling in a long time, let me give you a little history lesson here. In 2005, Lita was in a not good spot because personal life came into professional wrestling. So they were able, WWE decided to take what happened to Lita personally and put it onto the television screen. And what happened to her personally was the Matt and Edge and Lita Saga. At the time, Lita was with Matt Hardy, but then she got caught up and started messing around with Edge back in 2005. Matt found out, he freaked out, and now you saw somehow it got popped up onto the internet. Things happened. Matt got fired. They started putting Lita with Edge on WWE television. People were chanting that you screwed Matt to Edge and Lita anytime where they were on WWE Raw. At the time, Matt gets signed back. Matt does this whole feud with Edge and Lita. And all the way up to 2006, where Lita basically retires, Lita was called everything but a child of God. She was called a whore, a slut, a skank. I mean, she was called every single thing that you could think of the degrade a woman at the time in 2005 and 2006. Nobody saw any problem with it because in 2005 and 2006, it's still even till this day and age, and I think people have like, leaned up on it, but people still call other people skanks and slut and everything else. People saw that as a betrayal because Matt was beloved in the WWE, and people loved Matt because of Team Extreme, him and his brother, the Hardy Boys, and their whole thing, and people, the fans, had pegged in their head that Matt and Lita were together, they're a unit, all this good stuff, and yada, 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 and then once to come to find out that Lita cheated on Matt with Edge, people just started calling her everything. So, whenever she had a retirement match against Mickie James in 2006 at Survivor Series, you saw Crime Time come out and start selling Lita's personal belongings to the crowd, and it was basically another way to downgrade Lita on her way out of the WWE. 
it wasn't a good look now in 2022 eyes. 2005, 2006, everybody's going to say, oh, that's what Lita gets for this and that. This is what she gets for being a, you know, uh, everything else. People are going to say that's what Lita gets back in 2005, 2006, if we live and go back to that time frame. But with now 2022 eyes, people are going to say, yo, that wasn't right. They shouldn't have done that. Even if that's somebody's personal life, you don't ever, like, put that onto television. You keep fantasy and reality separate from your workplace. So it was good that they were able to give Lita this good match that she was able to get with Becky and get the acknowledgement that she was able to get from the Saudi Arabia crowd and also the American crowd whenever they were in America, like the weeks leading up to uh, Lita going against Becky Lynch. So again, I'm glad WWE was able to fix the lasting image of Lita's technically last run that she had in WWE in 2005, 2006 to fix it, to her being uh, showered with love and adulation and applause from the fans now in 2022. So WWE, thank you for fixing that. Now, the next match that we were supposed to get was for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, the Usos going against the Viking Raiders. That match doesn't happen because when the Viking Raiders were close to the ring as they were making their entrance. The Usos popped out of nowhere and they attacked the Viking Raiders. They super kicked them. They start beating them up. They threw uh, Ivar into uh, the steel steps and they double suplex Eric onto Ivar. Referees came down to separate separate uh, both teams, but the Viking Raiders were basically laid down, laid out. At the end of this, and the Usos took their SmackDown tag team titles and went to the backs. And so they didn't have this match. I expect this match probably to happen on SmackDown, not next, not this week, but probably next week. If that doesn't happen, they're thinking, I think they're probably going to have a big time uh, matchup like on the pre show of WrestleMania. That's just my thinking process of this. Now, on to the main event the Elimination Chamber for the WWE Championship, Brock Lesnar. Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles, Austin Theory, Riddle, and Seth Rollins. Brock Lesnar would win the match to become the new WWE champion. He beat AJ, Austin Theory, Riddle, Seth Rollins. He never beat Bobby Lashley because Seth Rollins took out Bobby Lashley by this. He had with Seth, uh, when Bobby, sorry. When Bobby was in his chamber, he wasn't even time for him to be called out yet. You had Seth Rollins lift up Austin Theory and buckle bomb Austin Theory to um, Bobby Lashley's chamber. And from that force of impact, Austin Theory broke the chamber and ended up hitting Lashley. So now Lashley's down. He got hit with the brunt force of the stainless uh, plexiglass, also with Austin Theory's body, so that's force on top of body, on top of object, onto Lashley. Lashley got laid out. He got a medical team in there to get Lashley out of the ring. And as during the matchup was going, we would get told on commentary that Lashley was took into the back. He was doing concussion protocol. And from that synopsis, Lashley was not going to be coming back to the matchup, so Lashley was technically eliminated at this point, and we were predestined at that moment that we will be getting a new WWE champion. Once that happened, I was already saying, oh, God, no, we're really going with this. We're really doing it, and yep, that's where we're going. Bobby Lashley 
would lose his WWE Championship without him actually even being pinned or submitted to Brock Lesnar when Brock Lesnar basically went Shayna Baszler in this Elimination Chamber. If you don't know, remember, back in 2020, before the COVID uh, shutdown happened, they had an Elimination Chamber matchup where Shayna Baszler was in it, and she basically eliminated everybody in that whole matchup. Brock Lesnar did the exact same thing here. He took out AJ, he took out Riddle, he took out Rollins, and he left Austin Theory last. And to finish Austin Theory, he F5 Austin Theory off of the Elimination Chamber uh, pod. So imagine both Austin Theory and Brock Lesnar on top of the Elimination Chamber pod. Brock has Austin Theory up on his shoulders. He F5s him off, and he doesn't land him into the ring. Oh, no, he lands him onto the outside, onto the mat. So then Austin Theory hits the mat. Brock rolls him into the ring. He covers him. He wins the matchup. So now we have Brock Lesnar as our new WWE champion. And with Brock now being a WWE champion, we are now going to get champion versus champion at WrestleMania. Winner take all. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I said on Wrestling Holidays of the Week, I hope that didn't happen because I didn't want to have to come here and tell you why this is such a bad idea. But since this is the route that we're going upon, let me tell you why this is a bad idea. If anybody remembers mm, WWE back in, what, was it 2014? Yeah, 2014, 2015. 2016, when they went back to separating the brands and they got two separate titles. But from 2014 to 2016, you had one world championship. The WWE World Heavyweight Championship. And at that time frame, you only had a select of guys holding the belt. You had uh, the beginning of 2014 was Randy Orton. He lost it to Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan held it, but he had to relinquish it when he was hurt. And then you had John Cena hold it. And then you had Brock Lesnar hold it, and he basically held on to that belt until 2015. He got cashed in on Seth Rollins. He kept, uh, Rollins cashed it in on him at WrestleMania 31. Rollins held it all the way until Survivor Series. Well, eh, before he got injured, before Survivor Series, so they had to do a tournament. Roman Reigns won it, lost it to Sheamus, because Sheamus cashed in his money in the bank, bro kicked. And then you saw Sheamus lose it back to Roman by the end of 2015. And then you saw Triple H held it at the beginning of 2016, the Royal Rumble, and then you had Roman win it, and then it went down to Seth, and then it went back to Dean, and then that's whenever the brand split. I just gave you 2014 time period of the guys that, 2014 to 2016, the guys that actually held the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Now, the roster has expanded. The roster contains a lot of guys on both sides on Raw and SmackDown that could be world champion. Okay? When you now meshing both world titles into one championship. You are now, de I'm not even going to say devaluing, you're now cutting off people's legs and cutting off people's water to become the world champion or WWE Universal Champion. There's a lot of guys that have a lot of talent on both shows that are WWE Championship material. If you don't believe me, let me just read you off a couple guys here that personally are WWE Championship material since WWE Championships on Raw right now. The Raw main event guys are AJ Styles. You have Bobby Lashley here. Damian Priest. I don't care what nobody's going to say. Damian Priest is a guy they're building up for a freaking world title run. 
edge whenever he comes back. I still say Finn Balor because Finn just had a match with Roman Reigns at Extreme Rules. And whenever they want to pull the trigger on Finn to turn him heel, they can do that. You have Kevin Owens over on this side. You have Randy Orton. You have Rey Mysterio when they want to do something with him. And you have Seth Rollins, okay? That's on the Raw side of the guys, okay? Now, on the SmackDown side, you have Big E, Cesaro, Drew McIntyre, Jay Uso, main event Jay Uso. Let's not forget that's in the nickname there. King Woods. People gonna say King Woods? Yes. Xavier Woods, King Woods, he is a main eventer, a bona fide main eventer. Kofi Kingston. Let's not forget Kofi Mania. And he just had a, a matchup with Bobby Lashley at 2021's Money in the Bank. Okay. We have Ricochet, who is going to be built up into a main eventer. I have no doubt about it. You have Roman Reigns here. You have Sami Zayn. You have Sheamus. And you have Shinsuke Nakamura. Now, why would you include Nakamura? Because I don't hear nobody says when they want to pull the trigger on somebody and they actually want to do some work with these guys. These are the guys that could become world champions whenever WWE actually wants to pull the trigger on it. Now, when you unify both of these championships together, because that's what you're going to do at Mania. You're going to have either Brock or Roman walking around with both championships and they're going to be unified and basically going to have to show up on both shows. You're cutting off your main event spot for these people. Let me tell you the list of guys in reality now when they unify these belts that are going to be in the main event's picture here. AJ Styles is going to be in the main event picture. Bobby Lash is going to be in the main event picture. Edge is going to be in the main event picture. Uh, Seth Rollins, Randy Orton on the Raw side are going to be in the main event picture, okay? On the SmackDown side, you could do Big E because Big E is still worth a championship opportunity. Drew McIntyre. And that's it. That is literally it because, oh yeah, it all depends on either Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns. That's it. You cut down your main event guys already a lot. You cut them down. You already cut it. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? You are cutting off people's legs to be great competitors, to be showing their perfect opportunity for them to be in the main event picture at their top. Why would you want to do that? You are cutting a lot of people water off before they actually can get a sip and drink it and actually get their body nourished. Why would you want to do that? Why are you cutting off your revenue stream? Because again, Cesaro, he speaks five different languages. You can use him as an international figurehead if he becomes a major world champion. Why would you not want to capitalize on that market share? The New Day, they sell merch like hotcakes. Why would you not want any member of the New Day to become your world champion? and sell products, and be a great face, and a great representation for the African-American community. Kofi Kingston was doing that when he won it back in 2019. He was going over to Africa. He was doing a lot of things over there. Big E, when he was WWE champion in 2021, he was everywhere. He was doing college game, college uh, football stuff. He was over there. He, was, he even gave the introduction for um, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder with their fights. He came out for another boxing matchup. I mean, Biggie was everywhere when he was WWE champion. He was a great ambassador for the WWE. Why would you not want to do that? Why would you not? You can do Rey Mysterio, another great legendary Latino wrestler. Why would you not want to 
have him be the face and also just give him that one more nod because he's a legend. Why would you not want to do that? Why are you cutting people's opportunities at being the world champion in the main event spot? It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. I'm just a guy that looks at the talent and you got a credible talent roster. By the way, I forgot to mention Montez Ford. Montez Ford is a future world champion. Why would you not want to give him the opportunity to do the so? Sure, he's with the Street Profits right now, but they're going to split off or they're going to still be the Street Profits, but each one of them is going to do their own representative thing. Montez Ford is going to go after the World Heavyweight Championship because people see the charisma, the athleticism, and they see potential in him being a future world champion. Why would you not want him to capitalize on that? With one championship, he has to go against all these other main event guys that somehow you won't even give opportunities to certain guys. What are we doing here? What are we doing? I hope we don't do that. I hope somehow somebody loses the belt, more or less Brock, you loses his WWE championship to Lashley somehow, some way. I don't care how you do it. I don't want to see champion versus champion because it makes no sense. But again, I'm just a guy that watched professional wrestling. I'm a guy that probably overthinks a lot of things as well. But as you can tell from the way I'm feeling about it, I feel passionate about this because these are guys that put their bodies on the line day in and day out in that ring. They want to be able to work up and scale themselves up on the ladder of professional wrestling to become that world champion. Why not give them the chance to take the ball and run with it and see what they can do? Why not? Why stick with your certain guys that you know you're going to stick with? Why not give other guys their chance to compete and do it? I don't understand it. I'll just have to wait and see what we do here. But for now, we're getting champion versus champion at WrestleMania. Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Universal Championship versus WWE Championship. I'll just have to see where we go with this. Hopefully, somebody loses their belt before then. But we shall see. Anyway, that was my Elimination Chamber review. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I have a Sunday episode out right now. I hope you guys do listen to it. It's called It Is What It Is. This has been your Elimination Chamber review presented by my uh, Two Cents podcast hosted by G2. He is I and I am him. Have a great Sunday. Have a great week. I love you all. Kanye, can you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh -huh. Jesus wept. Uh -huh.